The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. What are we preaching? That Christians must be ready to obey God. There are people on assignment. God called them for a purpose. Let's get back to the message. And God says through them, maybe I will complete this next time. My time has really gone. I don't know why. Anyway, I know why I went into that. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. What I want to preach about today, I've already, I've already read our scriptures yet. Okay, we're just reviewing the things I've been talking about. All right. I hope you have been blessed so far. Anyway. All right. Let's just read the, um, where I want to get to. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 again. Now, I've been saying that God said in Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. He said, For darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear on you. Now, when that happens, nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. I just read the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 60, all right? Which is what we have been reading before. And now, so, it is through us that God will shine light on people who are in darkness, it is through us that God will change the environment that we live in. Last time I spoke, um, it was, was what, what do you call a prophetic teaching because I was speaking specifically to people who are Nigerians. And the, although the principles apply to everybody, please, I want people everywhere to pay attention to the principles. But I specifically want Nigerians to take it, Nigerian Christians, please. I specifically want Nigerian Christians to take it as instruction of the Spirit for them in this season. That they are living in a nation that God has a special purpose for. And they cannot spoil what God wants to do. That is, they should be careful that they are not working for Satan. Alright? They should be careful that they are participating in what God wants to do. And this is will show in the way they use their words. These things will show in the way, the attitude with which they relate to things around them. I've talked about it again and again. Realize that you are a missionary on the earth. That is, you have a mission. I gave the example of our sister who said that, listen, she has an, a big investment to make in a troublesome area. And I said to her, please make the investment. Why? Is it that you will not lose money? It's possible you lose money. I said, but as a soldier, it must not be that you did not dig into where the Lord planted you. You are getting my point here. We Christians see even the use of money as an assignment from God. Money is not your safety in life. It's a tool that you use to obey God. Safety is in God. You cannot save enough money to keep your tomorrow secure. If you're a billionaire today, you can be poor next year. It's not a big deal. It happens all the time. All right? So even the way we use money, we use it to make statements. Where I put my money, I used to make a statement. When Nigerian banks started capitalizing that time, I taught it here in our spiritual economic series. I said, Charles Soludo said we should capitalize our banks that time to make sure the, the, the smallest one has at least 25 billion capitalization. I said to Christians, listen, it's our economy. It's not his private property. Are you getting my point? It's our economy that he's saying that we should build up. He said Nigerian banks are too small. Nigerian banks are too weak. They cannot handle massive investments. Do you get, you get my point? I mean, now, I don't know that I want to talk to my economist now. You know, Dangote is building a refinery at, um, for, uh, for how much? 16, 17 billion dollars. Now, the truth is this, eh? Nigerian banks can't finance that. That's the, part, that's the side. So you have to go out and recruit money. Which means that profit goes out. Yes. The loans have to be paid. The loans have to be paid. Those are the kind of things that Charles Ludo was seeing. And he said, guys, the banks are too weak. So then I preached to people here. I said, please, 
invest your money in the banks. I'm not saying become rich. I saw the money then. That was the first time I bought stock in my life. It was like, no, we have to support what Charles Ludo is doing in strengthening our economy. Listen, some of the places we put money that time, they went down big time. Do I feel bad? No. Why? It was the reason we did it we are talking about. And I remember what I preached that time. He said, restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. And God said, those that sow in tears shall reap with joy. That is when you are saying to God, restore our captivity. God says, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your prayer is. And I'm saying to people, let me, I'm repeating what I said last time. That's what I preached last time. That the reason for what Nigerian economy is backward is because of the Christians. They are the problem. Their prayers are ineffective because they don't put their money where their mouth is. They don't dare to risk things in the economy. They want to plant safety you know, for their, themselves, their descendants in Europe, in North America. And they now come and kneel down and say, restore our captivity, O Lord. And God says, I will not listen to you. Why? You don't believe what you are saying. There is no effective prayer except there is hope in the heart. No, prayer is not effective except there is hope. Prayer is not effective. That's why Paul didn't used to pray for people that were not listening to him. He said, since I heard of your faith, I began to pray for you. So I don't have time to waste. I can't be wasting my prayer time. Go and see what he said. When I heard of your faith, I heard of your faith and your love towards the saints. Then I began to make my prayers that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. That's when he began to pray for them. He said, because listen, if they are not serious Christians, I don't have their time. Because of your love for the saints, it's an important indicator of your seriousness as a believer. So when he hears of it, he adds it to his prayer list. If he doesn't hear of that, he leaves it behind. Say, please, I don't have time to waste. So except there is faith in the heart, which manifests as hope. Listen, there is nothing that God can do because the prayers are not effective. That's what I've been preaching. I want believers to understand it. If you're a single man, don't marry a woman that does not believe in you. I hope you're getting my point. She will ruin you if you do that. Because faith is a spiritual, is a spiritual energy. You will invest money. Your tanker will fall into the river. Why? Your wife. The first prophet will now see that your grandmother is a witch. Because you and your wife will come together for the prayer. But she never had faith in you. As believers, be careful. Don't marry a woman just because she thinks you'll make a good husband. Nonsense. An average good Christian, once you're a good Christian, you're a good husband. We'll train you in everything. If you're not dressing well, we'll train you how to dress well. If you don't know how to take your wife out on, a, on a special days, her best day, your anniversary, we'll call you and say, oh boy, you need Chris. <laughs> we'll tell you, no, honestly. We'll teach you those things. So that's not a problem. Being a good husband is the normal thing for good Christians. Yeah. One day I was talking to one of our sisters. <laughs> I won't marry one guy. <laughs> I beg, let me laugh, Joe. I asked the girl. I said, when are you planning to get married? <laughs> he said that uh, he's, uh, he's saying that maybe after his master's. I said, oh, they are using you to do academic planning. <laughs> I said, you are not serious. 
That, that one mother is disturbing. She now said that, uh, you see, Ada, his mother really likes him. I said, so? I said, look at you. Which woman in her right senses would not like you? You that I'm looking at like this. I said, it's not revelation. <laughs> Me, standing here, I really like you. My wife, she really likes you. Okay, Muti, really likes you. His wife really likes you. So, if we I mean, any normal parent... We like a young woman like you. You are supposed to be like, if they don't like you, they are witches. <laughs> I mean, no, think about it. You see a fine young woman, just finishing school, good Christian, speaking in tongues, reading Bible. If you don't like her, you are banjis in that family. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> I want to say, listen. So somebody thinks you're a good husband is not the issue. It's that you open your mouth to talk. The fellow is ready to walk with you through difficult places. That's what we are talking about. That's what we are talking about. Somebody who believes that even though your beginning is small, oh God, don't worry, the latter end shall greatly increase. What does God want us to do now? That's what they are concerned about. Because listen, faith is key. Listen to what I'm saying. Many people that God called, ordained, baptized, Put an anointing upon them, died the following year. Anointing does not guarantee your life. I hope you know that. And I can prove it from scriptures. God anointed Moses and blocked him to kill him. Balaam had his anointing. An angel was going to end him. It's the other people that God would tell, don't touch my anointing, but me, it's my anointing. I can do him anything I like. It's my own. doesn't guarantee your life, trust me. Many people that God called or deemed, they failed. That's why I wrote the book, Beyond Gifts and Talents. Listen, when the Lord gives you a revelation of, oh, your tomorrow, this is a plan I have for you, you are growing places, it is not guarantee of anything. What it means is that discipline yourself. Oh, that's what it means. Discipline yourself. That's why Paul says, seeing that we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. Because, you see, without us doing that, God can give promises, does not mean anything. doesn't guarantee anything. God came to the house of Eli. He sent a man to him. Did I not promise your house? He said, no, I've changed my mind. Why? Because he that honors me, I will honor. Let's get this very, very clear. It's important that there is faith in your life. That's what I'm trying to say. There must be faith around you. You will go to difficulty in life. God will ordain you. You will still suffer. So if anybody is taking any vow that does not say for better for worse, forget it. There are times you will pray, and it will be as if the Lord did not answer. You need faith in your life. You need people, that, somebody who will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Am I bring to a young woman, young man today? Anybody doesn't believe in you, I mean, let her go. Because listen, without faith, you ain't going anywhere in life. You will not make progress. And when I say faith, I don't mean, listen. If you like, believe God all by yourself. If you get back home, you know there's what Bible because every joint supplies. Every joint. No matter how strong you are, you are just a left shoulder. If you get back home and the ribs are broken, the left shoulder can't do anything. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You're not a man in yourself or by yourself. That's what the Bible says that he takes the solitary and puts them in families. Everybody needs support. Everybody. You need people that 
when you are having distress, you can talk to and they can pray with you. They don't have to have the solution to your problem. But they love you enough and care about your destiny that they can say, God, I beg now on your behalf. That's why I say to people, listen, <laughs> if you are single, you want to marry, that's what you check for. Say, is a woman homely? Those things can be learned. If, look, if you marry a girl, if a girl, a single girl has, when she was growing up, there were five cooks in her father's house. Is it her fault? Will she learn to cook? No, she's not going to learn to cook. Her father is paying the cooks. If it was your daughter too, they wouldn't cook. She says, no, a good wife cannot cook. Nonsense. Rubbish. There is cooking school. (laughs) (laughs) This is nonsense. What are telling you? Some of it I think you're hardworking. It's poverty that made you hardworking. Sure. <laughs> poverty. Why won't you be hardworking? You were hawking at the age of 10. There are good Christians that they didn't make their own beds until they were 20. And nobody remembered to tell them. But then they were born. There were two cooks in the house. A driver, a gateman, an assistant following the father up and down, two assistants following the mother. Do you understand? They wake up in the morning. Even the mother has not cooked in 25 years. Where would the girl learn to cook from? You think everybody's poor like you? <laughs> some, some, some people were born rich. Are you getting my point? Doesn't make them bad wives. I'm not saying people should not be disciplined. That's what I'm going to say. I like in my house, my wife would say, look, like, I don't want my children to spoil all of you. Kitchen. Go and wash. I say, all right, good. Try her. So, you know, that they say, what are, I said, well, it's not their fault. You know, I'm not saying she didn't train the kids. So she, she's trying her best to make sure that they learn to do this, do that, do that, do everything. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. You know, don't. <laughs> 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 you know, one day. <laughs> And one day I was I was I, I was I was taking kids to school, and then I came to there was secondary school that's GSS, and two of our neighbors' uh, children. So I saw some one of our another guy who stays on our street. So the kids were walking to school. So I, I picked them up. So all of them entered the, enter the car. So we're going on the way. So I said, "Why are they coming down?" So they said, "We'll stop at one particular junction. Like where's their school?" They said, "Their school is down the road." So I looked down the road. <laughs> Which school they describe where it was? They said, I shouldn't worry. They, okay, some of their older ones were you know, still going on with us. That she just dropped the younger ones here. I said, ah, Is it okay? They said, No, no, I shouldn't worry. I said, There's not a problem. Well, I saw these little things. So they came down. No, really. The older one probably maybe like seven. There was one that maybe like four. I'm not kidding. The two of them, so they were walking down. So I was like, Okay, what, what about when they get to that junction? They said they will call the traffic warden to help them cross. Now, I, I, my son. <laughs> I had my son and my neighbor's two children. No, I came to pick them in the afternoon. I said, all of you, there is a problem. At your age, someone will be driving up and to come and pick you from school. Why? I turned it into a fight. No, by the following year, my son was going by himself to school. I beg, please. What is it? Daddy, the younger ones now came to me. Daddy, I said what? When are we going to start coming home by ourselves? 
I said, oh boy, I said, oh girl, sorry, for the, the rest of it, it's not going to happen in a long time. Why not? I said, it is expensive. I, I calculated it for them. Transport fare, it is cheaper for me to come and carry you from school. Because we're not living where we used to live. We had, if, if it was the other place, no. I would tell you, okay, don't worry, next year, it'll be easy. Just one drop. One, one bus, you enter, you drop, and then you walk home. Now, what I'm going to say is this, listen. People grow up under different circumstances. Some of the things you think is an advantage in your life now, all right? It was, it was, some people could not have it because they didn't pass through what you passed through. It doesn't mean they are bad wives or bad husbands. And actually, what the Bible says about it, that's what the Bible calls favor, King James, or charm. If you use my Bible, New American Standard, it said charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. That thing, all this one, the penny is homely, knows how to cook, knows how to take care of somebody. He says deceitful. He said, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Listen, single guys, look for a woman that has faith in you. Because without faith, you are not going anywhere. Without faith, you are not going anywhere. That's what I'm preaching. Without faith, you are not going anywhere. We are Christians. What God wants to best in our lives will be bested by faith. It's not going to be better by struggles. I hope you're getting my point. No, it's not going to be better by struggles. I'm not saying we'll be lazy. No. Diligence is a trait of spiritual people. Do you get my point? Like I was saying earlier. Okay, so if they didn't, if they didn't raise you like that, you learn it. You find a good trait in somebody else's life. Oh, this guy is very diligent and hardworking. Make him your friend. Copy it. You are a young woman, you don't know how to cook because your father had five cooks by the time you were growing up. No problem. You have a friend that can, can create anything in the kitchen. Make her a friend. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, what I'm going to say is that we are diligent people. Amen? Amen. We are hardworking people. Amen? Amen? We are not slothful. But what God wants to bring forth in our lives is not a product of our personal effort. It's a product of what? Faith. It's faith that he's using to best things in our lives. It's by faith he will best the great thing. Listen, you know what God said? You ran against men, they tired you out. What will you now do when you start racing against horses? And let me tell you, in this modern day, you are racing against train, motor car, not horses. You need grace in your life, you need divine favor. These things are activated by your faith. That's the point I'm making. You need faith. Do everything you must to surround yourself with faith. Surround yourself with faith. Surround yourself with faith. I thought we should open somewhere, right? Hebrews chapter 11. It is through us that God is changing the earth. It's true us that he's making this nation into what it's supposed to be so he can do the work that he wants to do through it. Hebrews chapter what? 11. 11. Let me read this. I'll read um, a few other verses. It said, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Please note that verse 3 again. By faith we understand 
Without faith, we have no understanding. By faith, we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Let me stop reading here. Let me just read the other one, very important, and I'll pass my comments, then we will close. This is the main thing I plan to teach for today. Let's see how far I can go with it before we go home. Let's just take another lesson from the book of Joshua. I want us to read something there. Now, so as to save time, we will read a few lines. It's a story we all know, so I'll save our time by not having to read everything, reminding us of the story. This story is about how Israel, under the command of Joshua, was defeated at Ai, and how later on they won their victory back in chapter 8. It's about the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, the son of Kami, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Now, please note this. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went out and spied. They returned to Joshua and said to him, well, Do not let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need to go. He said, For the people are few. I'm summarizing now. In verse 4, So about 3,000 men from the people went up there. But when Wahala burst, they fled, <laughs> but they fled from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of their men. They were not used to losing. And pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, bear in mind that at this point, Joshua did not know what Achan had done. So then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. Both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why did you ever bring these people up from the Jordan only to deliver them into the hand of the Amorites? Notice this. God, are you planning to deliver them into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us. For if only... We had been willing to do, he said, if only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say? Since Israel has turned their back against their enemies. That is saying in verse 8, Lord, I'm saying this because of what has happened. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? The issue is that Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have taken, they have even taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, now notice that verse 12. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. So, from verse 13 onwards, it was instructed concerning what to do, and then he went ahead and did it. So, in the morning, he began to you know, seek out what happened. If you go down to verse 16, so I'm not trying to save t- time. Achan confessed after they found him out. 
and then finally he was executed. The things that he took were destroyed, and then um, that came to an end. Now, chapter 8 is the next thing. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise and go up to Ai. I have given into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Now please, for time's sake, I'm jumping now. Verse 3. So Joshua rose up with all the people of war to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose how many men? 30,000 men. Valiant warriors. And set them out at night. Now the tactics by now had changed. And he commanded them saying, See, you are going to ambush the city from behind it. And he gave them the details of what to do. In verse 10, Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people. And he went up with the elders of Israel before the people to Ai. Now, if you read in between, you will see the military strategy that they used. Now, I'm jumping down to verse 24. No, sorry, I jumped one line. I jumped one line. Verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand towards Ai, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. Now, he gave instructions, which we are not reading because we are trying to save time. If you now see that verse 24. Now, when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, where they pursued them, and all of them were fallen by the edge of the sword until they were destroyed. Then all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. All who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000 of the people of Ai. For Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Let me stop reading here. It's a story which I believe many of us know. It was just that it was good that for us to you know, recall this story to mind by reading it. Now, I read this to run side by side with Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. Remember, I've been explaining that we are faith generators. We generate faith in our hearts. We spread it into the environment, both passively as we walk around and do our things, and actively as we speak with our mouths. We infect people with faith. I need to say that. We infect people with faith. We reject unbelief infection. We fight the infections of doubt coming into our hearts. We wash our feet regularly off all the dust gathered from hearing things that are not in line with God's counsel from around us. We are constantly generating faith in our hearts. We make sure that faith is always rising from our hearts. And it moves into the environment. When we make choices, it is coming out into the environment. All right? When we pray, it is coming out into the environment. When we leave our homes on evenings like this and come to places like this, it's coming out into the environment. When we dress up next day and go to church, faith is coming out into the environment. When we leave the church and come back home, faith is coming out. When we go to our offices, faith is always coming out. Passively. It's always coming out. They actively, we push it out also with our words. Actively. When we respond to things, we are filling the air either with faith or with unbelief. Our duty as believers is to fill the air with what? Faith. With what? Faith. With what? Faith. faith. How do we generate faith? It's simple. Like this. We are talking the word of God. 
Faith is being generated. Now, know what Hebrews 11 tells us there in verse 3. He said, by faith we understand. By faith we do what? You know what that means? Without faith, anything we understand is wrong. Whatever you understand but not on the basis of faith is a missed understanding. Is a misunderstanding. You have missed the understanding. Now, it does not mean it will not appear real. Now, that's why I read the story of Joshua. Joshua went to a town. When they finished wiping out the town, 12,000 people were in there. That was why Anna, 12,000 included women and children. I hope you know that. So the number of warriors were not up to half of that. They were fewer than that, actually. Much fewer. That was why the spies looked and said, this place is small. The people are few. Their warriors are not many. They were not valiant warriors. Just 3,000 men would be good enough. That was reasonable. They went to battle. They lost the battle. Obviously, now let me tell you something. Obviously, those men had more than 3,000 men. Obviously, the men were probably stronger than they had predicted. The terrain was not good for Israel. Because you notice the Bible said that they struck them down as they descended on the slope. So those guys were probably on a high level. Israel miscalculated the terrain. Terrain is very important in warfare. If you live on a high mountain, you are difficult to conquer. Do you get my point? No, so these are all the issues that will easily explain why Israel lost the battle. Very easy to explain. If you tune CNN, they will analyze it for you. You tune to um, Dream FM. You hear analysts who know nothing telling you how this thing is supposed to have worked. Go to Urban Radio. They are telling you the problem with Nigeria. You get my point? FRCN, no, FRCN does this, um, what do you call it? This, um, no, 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 no. I'm talking about news commentary. There's one news commentary that they do the after news. They can only for a few days. You will listen to a news commentary by a man who does not have any faith, so he has no understanding. And they were not all of this. What happened uh, today? Our news commentary is on the Battle of Ai. Joshua chose 3,000 men. I had 5,000 warriors. Joshua was on the plain. I was on the mountain. He assumed they were not trained. It's just that they did not used to wear uniforms. They were well trained. <laughs> and then he finishes. You will have seen all the, all the political and military analysts will tell you how Joshua lost the battle of Ai. Do you know why? Because without faith, you have no understanding. But Joshua was a man of faith. He didn't do that. He didn't say, round up the spies for me. Which is what Napoleon would have done. Which is what Adolf Hitler would have done. Get me the spies. Hang them right here. That was what the Gentile nations around them did. How could you have told us to send only 3,000 men? Joshua did not do that too. Joshua fell on his face before the Lord till evening. And his own is that God. Wait, what's going on here? You plan, or what? To deliver us to the Amorites? It did not cross Joshua's mind that it was a problem of ministry strategy. It, for him, it was whether God allowed us or God did not allow us. For Joshua, it was either God gave us a victory or God did not give us a victory. For Joshua, it was about God. Nothing else. By faith, he understood that God had not given them the victory. So that what is sin 
which was lost in battle, did not come out of the things that appeared, which was poor military strategy. He said, what we see that are visible, they cannot explain what is appearing right now. Real explanation is a faith explanation. I hope you're following my point. So God told him, my friend, get up. So he stood up. He said, why are you making noise? He said, Israel sinned and I refuse to follow Israel to battle. My refusal to follow Israel to battle manifested as poor military decisions. My refusal to follow Israel to battle made the men timid. My refusal to follow them to battle was why they lost the battle. It was not because of the physical things, the absence of God's favor in their lives that manifested. Faith understands that. So when God began to show them favor, what happened? They had new strategy, but Joshua knew. Joshua understood that the strategy didn't guarantee anything. This time around, he said, gather everybody, let's go. 30,000 men went. This time around, we didn't read that. They broke themselves into two camps. The first camp was to get to the city and run and draw the fighters out so they could fight in the open. And then the other camp would be waiting. The people I did not know there were that many. So they were going to sandwich these people. But God said, Joshua, don't forget. It is me that's giving you the victory. So how do we do that? You will stand far and point your spear towards the city. At the end of the day, they won the battle, destroyed the whole place. And the Bible said the reason was because Joshua refused to withdraw his hand. Listen to me. Don't be ashamed to be a Christian. Christianity gives you understanding at a realm that is higher than what the common person has. That's why you cannot talk the way he talks. Are you getting my point? For example, election is coming up next year. People are talking about all the machinations. You know? People say, are you going to vote for the current head of state? I said, who is his opponent? How can you be asking me now? Whether I'll vote for a man who I don't know who is running against him. As if I voted for him the last time. I've told you here, prophetically, that my votes don't count. No, I'm not talking about rigging now. I'm talking about I never seem to see straight. I am like Samuel when he saw Eliab. Surely before, you know, Samuel went for, to election. He voted for Eliab. Eliab lost the year. <laughs> Are you getting my point? So somebody said, are you going to vote for him? I said, for goodness sake. Who are his opponents? You don't know. But that's not what I'm talking about. For me, I know that the next head of state has been determined by God in heaven. They said he won because there was underage voting in Kano. You are talking unbelief. There are statements that Christians are not supposed to make. When you analyze, analyze politics, because of time, I, will, I want to also go through scriptures. You will see that a man is in the field, another man is cutting a tree, and the tree falls down and cuts, kills the man who is farming nearby. And the Bible says the Lord delivered him into his hand. By faith, we understand. That's why I said at the beginning, they say if this man had a new car, he wouldn't have died. I said the reason why he didn't have the new car because he was supposed to die. The absence of the new car didn't kill him. 
death kept the new car away. By faith, we understand. Listen, I said we are supposed to generate faith and both passively and most importantly, actively spread it into the environment. How do you spread into the environment? When you are talking with people, conversing with them. They say, this group of people, they want to rule in my country forever. You will say to them, power belongs to God. One statement, you have left that matter. Power belongs to God. You will say to them simply, the Almighty rules in the affairs of men. He gives the kingdom over to whosoever he chooses. Leave it there. Power belongs to God. By faith, no, it's important. When you're talking about insecurity, don't talk like an average man. The average woman on the street. Remember to go into your scriptures and say, it is the day of the indignation of the Lord. Why? Because when you want to pray, that is how you start praying for me. I told you, most Christians in Nigeria today, in Nigeria today, you can follow one million prayer points. It has no effect because they don't even have understanding. How can you pray effectively when you don't have understanding? Faith is what gives you understanding. I just use Joshua's explanation uh, uh, story now to show you that when you have faith, the way you react to things will be different. People can explain. No, I love my city, Enugu. Yeah, I love Enugu. People can say everything they want. I have only one explanation for why Enugu is making progress. It has developed more than most Nigerian cities over the last 15 years. People say why. I said because we are preaching the gospel from here. You can say anything you want to say. I have never joined politics. I don't know who's in power. You know, like more than you know the person. But I say we are preaching the gospel from here. We are blessing the city every day. We pray for the city every time. Every morning when my children gather to pray, they bless Enugu. We pray. We don't forget to say now, let's bless our city. It will be well. You can say what you want to say. That is the explanation I have for why Enugu is the way it is. And I want it to be better. We will amplify the amount of word we are preaching from here. The other we decided, I said, no, let's bless, let's bless um, a boy state. So we gathered and said, we'll go over there and preach to them for 90 days over two years. That's happening in the next few months. We are convinced that if the word is going out from there, the environment, that is, it will feel it. By faith we understand. That's what faith teaches us. They complain Africans have Africa has bad leaders. Mo Ibrahim released money. I wanted five million dollars to Selif Johnson. Is that her name? Or Johnson Selif? Which one is first now? You know what I'm talking about. You know the woman I'm talking about. The woman I just handed over to George Oponwear. Right? Good. Why did he do that? He wanted African leaders, you know, not to worry about their future when they are in power. So say if you rule well, your country develops well under you, and there's no story of corruption in your government, they give you $5 million. Heavy money. Now, I hear all of that. You know, personally, I said the guy tried, he has passion, and it's good. But faith has not given him understanding for him to know that that's not what will change Africa. I don't know whether you're getting my point. No. By faith, we understand I know 
from scriptures. By faith, I understand that if you want African nations to change, you penetrate them with the gospel. That's what you do. If I had $5 million to spend, I ain't giving it to any leader. I will take the $5 million and open mission stations that in any country that we want to focus on, we decide that, look, we are focusing on this country. We'll employ that money, all right? Plant churches here and there, buy airtime on their radio waves and start preaching Jesus. We won't talk economy. We'll just be preaching Jesus. We'll be preaching the forgiveness of sins, redemption of, the, of mankind by the power of the shed blood of Christ. We'll talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the gospel. We are not ashamed of it. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God. We'll spread that, we'll spend the money there. We know it will have much more effect because we are preaching from a higher level. By faith, we do what? We understand. This is what is relevant for my message this time, this evening. Children of God, trust the word of God. When it tells you power belongs to God, make it your conversation. Political talk will soon start. Listen, you must not have... I mean, why on earth will you have the same opinion as a fellow who does not go to church near you? I've heard preachers say all the time, that our current head of state, God is not appointing. I said, that is what you say. It is what the Bible says that I am saying. It is what the word of God says I am saying. By faith, I understand his victory. Sado Sandasar I love his prophecy so much. Because they don't miss. I mean, if you have heard, bullseye. Bullseye. The man who told everybody in August, the other year, that Donald Trump would be their next president. And he said in the open. I know there are prophecies in which say, it's a woman I saw. It's different. <laughs> I'm not talking about, I'm talking about clowns who are trying to. I like the way Sadu gave his own prophecy. He just wrote it to Neville Johnson. They were in a prophetic meeting in, somewhere in the U.S. He wrote it to Neville Johnson. What do you think? Neville Johnson nodded. Share it. So he got up and shared it. It wasn't a prophecy of, uh, uh, oh, thus says the Lord, my children, my children. No. He said the other day, that's how he would talk. I woke up in the morning. And then my spirit was caught up. <laughs> and I got into the heavens. And this was election still fire will. And I told everybody, forget it. The guy was at the bottom of the post. All of us thought he was joking. In case you don't know, I will not read that from here. The man was in Lagos in November. And he has given the prophecy concerning Nigeria. Go and find it and read it. <laughs> uh, what, what am I? BBC. You want me to read it out for you? <laughs> Not serious. <laughs> the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Why I told you his story is that it shows simply the power belongs to God. Let me say this so strong with me. You know, I feel like a prophet saying it. Listen, this nation you are living in is not an average, a normal one. It's not the same as the two nations that border it on the left or the right, or the ones that are on top of it. It's a different country. Listen to this. The good Lord has a special purpose 
for us to fulfill. Now listen to this. The mantles that men prophesied that were left behind by Billy Graham and T.L. Osborne. We are kindly from here. I'm serious. From this country, we are carrying it. Yes, we are. We are. And listen, gone are the days. I like one thing. When, <laughs> do you know who God used to open Russia? No. No. Francis Wally, okay. He went from Ibadan. Doesn't live in Russia. Went from Ibadan. I remember I was in, was it Addo? Or Winner's Chapel, when he came back that time. I didn't even think much about it. And he said something, which is the reason why I'm referring to it. See, every cobble he spent, he took from Nigeria and took to Russia to go and preach the gospel. Listen, I don't, look, I, I, I'm convinced you're not living in an average country. No, you're not. Listen to this. This country will prosper so much. You know, it will prosper so much. And the reason why God is doing it, he said, look, once again, I shake the heavens and the earth. He said, my kingdom through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. Now, listen to this. Why he's going to... Pro- Look, listen, when God is doing things, a lot of funny things happen on the side. He will be flying private jet up and down, buying sheep, whatever it is, but that's not why God is prospering people. He's prospering people so that from here... You know, the, the, the season of begging as a nation is over. Amen. It's begging, the season is over. One guy came the other day, he said, something we're supposed to do in my office, Henry Ford Foundation. This guy is a Ghanaian came from the U.S., so we had a meeting in my office. He said, okay, what can you get? He said something, I just said, look, we'll handle that. We'll handle that. I kept on telling him, look, we'll handle that. Look, you guys say you can start this one for us. Start it. I said, this one we'll handle. He looked at me. He said, I like your attitude. He said, he said, he said, he said Ghanaian. I said, oh, my brother, this begging thing, I, I'm not into it. I, no, I told him straight. You came from America. No, this begging thing, I'm not into it. You know, uh, you know no, the normal African attitude is what? Uh, no, I told the guys, listen. I said, we can handle that. You need this one, we can handle that. I said, look, the only one, I said, personally, the only thing I think you can do for us, the training side, this one, you say you will do this in the first instance. He said, yes. I said, no problem. Leave the rest to us. He looked at me and said, I like your attitude. Now, this one I'm making. I'm convinced we live in a nation that will prosper financially. Seriously. And what's the purpose? So that from here, without begging anybody, we 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 are an exporter of the gospel. We'll be exporting gospel everywhere. We'll be exporting gospel everywhere. I mean, including back to the United States. We'll be exporting gospel. We'll print books and give them free. This is they download everything, so download it free of charge. See Middle East. Eh? The missionaries that will go there and preach the gospel in Islamic countries, they are going to come from Africa. I believe we are the ones that will do most of these things. And listen, I'm not saying fresh prophet. Pyelton said this years ago. Reinhard Bonke said it. I just believe that the season for it to be fulfilled is it has come. Let's rise to our feet and pray. It's a simple prayer. I say, Lord, <laughs> my portion will not be missing. Yes, just pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm a generator of faith. I generate faith. I generate faith. I generate faith. I believe God that it will turn out as he has said. Say, Lord, I have understanding. Pray. I have understanding. Say, Lord, I have understanding because I believe. Say, Lord, I have understanding because I believe.
Say, Lord, I have understanding. Can we just put up our hands and give the Lord thanks again? Say, Lord, I thank you. I yield myself again to you as your instrument. I yield myself to be used by you. I yield myself to be used by you. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Make me a generator of faith for my environment. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed.